Welcome to Drinking Bros, presented by StrikeForceEnergy.com. Put down the water and grab a fucking drink. Hey, oh, boy. I, I have a feeling someone special is, is on the show today. <laughs> someone extra special. Extra Possibly a, pri- a prior president of the United States in the future. Come on. Is Dale Dye here? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Dale Dyer is with be, us. That'd be President Mattis to you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Welcome. Welcome, Mr. Dye. I have not uh, got- seen you since uh, hugging you, uh, con- squeezing you into my chest, uh, and telling you to get the fuck off the stage, I believe. <laughs> Not not all you squeezed. And <laughs> I, did, I squeezed a lot. Still uh, upset about that. <laughs> I told you no tongue. <laughs> that was a big day we had together. That was that was a fun day. It was, it was great, Ross. Yeah, yeah thanks. Uh, that, that, was that was one of that was one day. of our favorite uh, moments on set. Um, we, we talked about that for a long time. You're also in the new documentary, uh, Not Another War Story, with us. Um, it's uh, it's an honor to have you, sir. Thank you for coming Thanks. on. Thanks. Thanks, guys. It's uh, I'm delighted to be able to say a few words to your audience, which is uh, huge. And I appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's look, it's a crazy show, Dale. I don't know if you've listened to the hundredth episode, but uh, it's, uh, <laughs> don't yeah, don't. Don't. Please don't. It is a crazy, crazy show. Um, Matt, Matt, Matt Best is ironically the most tame out of all of us, which if that's no, saying that something, be. yeah, exactly, exactly. That that'll be. that'll let you know. I'm like I'm like the closet tame one. I behave myself here, you know. Mistakes in private. That's the way I roll my life. <laughs> that's right, you know. But uh, not not episode 100. So that we're was, yeah, that we're, was, we're also Jesus. joined by Scott Levy. Yes, who is we are a, a, another friend. So you'll have an Evans here. I, uh, yes, I am here. Yes, yes there's that. Look at that. We got a full house, Ross. Full we house, got a full, a, we are we are John Stamos away from a full house at this point. <laughs> <laughs> three three aces and a pair of deuces. Exactly. <laughs> I like it a lot. And, uh, Savage. <laughs> we uh, we we have some sponsors here, uh, Mr. Levy, Mr. Di- uh, Mr. Die, but. Uh, uh, I really, before we get to the sponsors, Dale, I want to ask you about uh, doing a TV show called Rough Riders and what it, what it was about in 1997. Very cool. Um, that was a, a show uh, directed by John Milius. We did it for um, TBS, and uh, it uh, had uh, Sam Elliott, Tom Berenger, uh, all the usual old Western cast, and uh, it was it was great because uh, uh, with Milius aboard. Uh, and directing he wanted everything to be military precise and so i had two weeks to actually live in the field as a cavalry unit wow and we had all the horses and every day we'd have boots and saddles and have to get up and groom the horses and saddle them up and uh, practice all the formations which promptly went in the crapper as soon as the cameras rolled but (laughs) but the important thing is we we got that discipline. It was a it was a great uh, great movie project. Uh, Tom Berenger was absolutely great as uh, Teddy Roosevelt. I wasn't I didn't suck completely as uh, Leonard Wood, um, and and Sam was his usual great mustache self. You know I mean he yeah. he talks a lot like this and yeah, he kind of <laughs> re- kind of know you're dealing with Sam Elliott. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a huge I'm a huge Sam Elliott fan. Uh, still got one yeah. good arm to hold you with. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the reason why I wanted to ask about Rough Riders in particular, because you have a, a long, illustrious uh, career, which, which we'll get to. Rough Riders in particular, though, uh, John Milius is one of my personal heroes. Um, and the fact that you got to work with him is is a, a jealousy that I will never ever be able to get over. Um, let me, let me tell career. you a story about about working with John though. He's a gun nut, uh, a lot like huge gun nut, huge. Everybody everybody here at the table is a huge Perfect. gun nut. Perfect. We get so along. We yeah. get along. But John would would disappear from the set. He's directing this, you know. And we would get ready to roll, and me and the first AD and everybody else would have everything all set up, horses in place everything and john's nowhere in sight where is john and then you hear a couple of gunshots over the hill john's over there playing with weapons <laughs> and he, and typically you know we we finally had to assign a second ad to him assistant director so he stayed with john and and immediately when we were ready to go he took the weapon away from him and brought him back onto the set so <laughs> that sounds a little bit like ross patterson when he went and stole the uh the, the shotgun and just was dumping rounds out in the oh, desert yeah. the, only guy, the only guy with an auto shotgun in the entire zombie yeah, happens apocalypse. to be the director you yeah. know oh, you're well, welcome you're welcome. Yeah, that, Milius pulled a gun on somebody on another set. Um, I, I don't know. I, I do know that uh, much like many other people of my background, when the weapons start cranking, I'm sexually stimulated. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you welcome go, to Drinking Bros. Yeah, it fits perfectly in. You sort of pull vault across the grid square. Right. That's, that's the only way me and my lady get to completion is if I shoot an AR in the, in the sky right okay. before. Uh, tango you know. Mike in. India. <laughs> <laughs> I like a little TMI, a little TMI yeah. for Dale. Okay. Oh, no, God. The Huge fan. This is going to be a great show. Uh, we got some sponsors who ironically pay for this to be on the air, uh, Dale. Weird. <laughs> First up is uh, StrikeForceEnergy.com. What, what was your quote uh, about it? What was your what was your last quote about the about guns? You, you, it, it'll get you there. Yeah, it, it'll get you there. It'll exactly. You there. Yeah, it'll get you there. Yeah, that's what Strike Force Energy does uh, on the energy side of things. It'll get you there. Um, look, kids, you need to get them dicks up and you don't have a gun. This will do it. Uh, go to StrikeForceEnergy.com. It's the tastiest, tiniest little pouch full of energy that goes in every single liquid available. Uh, it ships everywhere in, in the entire world. They have a subscription of the month club and... And they get a 750 milliliter bottle that you can just boom, boom, squirt as you go. Uh, pun and intended. don't drink it all at once. I saw that guy make the video where he drank yeah. the whole It was actually course. wine, so he he lied. Yeah, it was a prank. It was a prank. Oh, I enjoyed no, it, it, He, he would have died. His heart would have exploded. Really? Yeah. yeah no. Oh, man. It would have. Yeah, it would have. Well, go, to, <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Ross. Go to StrikeForceEnergy.com. <laughs> type in the promo code Bros for 20% off. Uh, next up, we got ghostbed.com. Uh, we should, is Dale sleeping on a ghost bed out there, Jared? No, we should make we sure should. he is. We should make sure. <laughs> Boy, that's a fine sleep, Dale. Um, <laughs> I, listen, these are commercials. I'm not going anywhere here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is, this is how you make your money. I get that. <laughs> yeah, go, ghost bed will, will look, it'll, it'll send you to the grave a little, a little quicker. Um, that's how comfortable that sleep is. It'll make you never want to get up. Uh, go to ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros. Uh, once you're there, you get $50 off a of bed. You get three free pillows with every bed purchase. And we're, we're coming down to the last couple days here of show us your worst mattress. Uh, take a video of your mattress, hashtag it, fuck this bed, um, and then tag, <laughs> tag at ghost bed, and you'll get a free mattress. 
<laughs> Classiest show on earth, Dale. Uh, yeah. Ghostbed.com uh, Clearly. is all no your doubt. sleeping needs. Again, promo code <laughs> Drinking Bros. Go to ghostbed.com forward slash Drinking Bros. Uh, next up, we got grenadesoap.com. Uh, incoming right to your taints. They got a taint scrubber. We need they to work on your scrub- incoming, man. <laughs> incoming! Yeah, there you go. Jared's got it. Way back. Yeah. I have a feeling no one's uh, ever thrown a frag grenade at you. Yeah. Uh, incoming. Incoming. This isn't, incoming. This isn't like mail in your inbox. Yeah. So like, incoming. In, incoming mail. Yeah, the five-meter kill radius of the 15-meter wound radius. Uh, it guy's incoming. Let's check it out. Hey, hey, guys. Out. hey guys, incoming. <laughs> oh, I should run and jump. I, I've got a yep. sleeping child on the other side of the house. Uh, okay. Daddy yeah. screaming okay. out war right. cries isn't gonna gonna do much for his uh, his sleeping patterns. Uh, a little siesta. Yeah. Uh, look, grenadesoap.com. The soap is. Uh, what's the soap, Matt? How would you best describe this soap? You know, OD green and combat clean, bro. That's how I describe You're it. Goddamn right, you would. It's made with Coin real gunpowder, so you smell like a real man. Uh, they've also yeah. got tactical toothbrushes, so dot they can kits. Scrub off the crap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, they got tail scrubbers over there. <laughs> Go to grenadesoap.com. Uh, type in the promo code Drinking Bros. You get twenty percent off. Next, we got WarfighterTobacco.com. Uh, the finest cigars in all the biz. Um, we should give Dale some cigars on the way out, Jared. Yes, we should. We should. We should. Uh, these cigars, smoke them if you got them. If you don't got them, go get them and smoke them. Uh, th- look, they're for any occasion. If uh, if your lady gets knocked up, congratulations. Here's a cigar. Uh, you've done something good uh, in life. I mean, maybe post-pregnancy, you think? Uh, I think that's fair. Post-pregnancy. And we can talk to the Surgeon General about that after the show. Right. Yeah, pre-pregnancy. Whatever. Whatever your fancy is. A couple puffs isn't going to kill the baby. Pre-post. Um, <laughs> yeah. Same goes for trannies. Pre- or post-op, you're welcome to have one. Smoke up. Take and, a puff. Uh, just take a puff. Just take yeah, a yeah. puff. Yeah, Warfighter Tobacco is tra- is is tra- is for trans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, puff, it's, puff it's, at any time. It's, it's cigars for trans. It's it's. <laughs> It's cigars for for any occasion. If if, if you still I got it on, or want to get it to Chelsea off. Manning. Yeah. <laughs> che- rumor is Chelsea Manning God. got out and had a cigar uh, ten minutes afterwards. Um, yeah. <laughs> go to warfightertobacco.com. Type in the promo code Drinking Bros or or DB10, and you get uh, look. You get you get fucking ten percent off. Rocco's a co-owner, and if you want to see him in your your local tobacco stores, go in and grab the owner and shake him down or slap him across the face and say, "Put these fucking cigars in the store." Veteran-made dog rocket. Yeah, that's right. right. A dog rocket. Dog <laughs> rocket. Stick that puppy in your face and go for broke. <laughs> Stick that puppy in your face and go for broke. We Word should have Dale on Mr. full Dale time. time. We should have Dale yeah, on full yeah, fucking time. Just, just, uh, last yeah. but not least is uh, Black Rifle Coffee. Evan Hafer wants to tell us about it. Oh, Black Rifle Coffee is a premium roast-to-order coffee. We roast it right here in Salt Lake City. And uh, we roast the finest, freshest cup of coffee you can get in the land, and it goes right to your doorstep. So go grab yourself a Black Rifle Coffee membership. As a matter of fact, the one peg. we're drinking, well, at least Dale is and a few other people here. We're sucking it right in my pie hole right here. Right right yeah. 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 <laughs> so, yeah, we've even got the one bag membership. So yes. you sign up for a membership, you get uh, discounts through a combination of retailers throughout the industry to include... Uh, Leupold as of next month. So yep. uh, sign up for. We added Leupold. about ten more to the list today. That's right. Yep. Fucking killing it, man, with that membership. That's the way to do it. Which is, I set it up so 
when you make a good purchase like a Leupold Optic, you'll basically pay for your coffee for the year with that nice. discount. So And you'll hit your target. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you will. A fine American made optic, man. So they're not paying if, us. If, if you need optics, I mean I iron sights are good with me, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Typical marine. Once a marine. Typical marine. Yeah. Them newfangled optics. Yeah. I don't need no glass. Yeah. Just show me the front sight blade. And get away from me. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> oh, I, I love it. it. Uh, I Evan, love it. Evan, uh, promo code Drinking Bros for 20% off at Black promo Rifle Promo code Coffee. Drinking or Drinking Bros, man. You can take 20% off. You can even take your percentage off your membership. So sign up, grab a membership, get it to your doorstep every month. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Uh, Mr. Dale Die. Man, you have you have had an unbelievable career. I'm looking at your IMDb right now. It says 84 credits. <laughs> How many of those do you actually remember? About two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get into movies. I, I, you get into movies that high. It's it's got to be like oh man, there, there's got to be movies. If if I name them off, you probably wouldn't remember, right? I'm sure there would be, and some of them I intentionally don't remember. Oh, so Range 15. Range 15. <laughs> 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 no, listen, I've played, I've played everything from a Lance Corporal to the President of the United States. That is I'm, pretty cool. I'm POTUS. Yeah, I like it. Range <laughs> you were a great POTUS. I'm, that, yeah. Seriously. I hope so. You sold it. I got upstaged by this guy, Ross. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 that but, guy. That guy. My deal went went right in a crapper, but uh, <laughs> that is that is a pretty that is a pretty cool thing. Everything from a lance corporal to the president of the United States. He has now held every rank. Every rank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from rifleman, squad automatic weapon yeah, to, to, president. to the president. I got the whole deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, I mean, just breezing through your list here, like Naked Run. Do you remember doing that movie? No. Exactly. No. That's what you, I'm talking you remember about. It? so many and movies. So? Uh, You've done so many movies at this point that it's. Uh, there's been some dogs out there. Yeah, but you don't. You, th- that's you that's don't the have gig. to see one called Mayday Delta Force Four or something, do you? <laughs> Mayday <laughs> Delta amazing. Force Four. Mayday Delta Force. That's, that's awesome. awesome. The only way the only way they got me to do that was they were shooting in South Africa, and so they offered me a five day all expenses paid safari to Zululand. Wow. Mm. wow. Yeah. So so I took it. Down. Right. Yeah. Um, and cashed the check. But then you got to be in Mayday Delta Force 4. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, so who really won? I mean, I wish I, mean, I was I in Mayday Delta Force. I think of Navy SEALs and then Mayday Delta nah. Force 4. Yeah. <laughs> they they promised me that it would never be shown in the United States. Oh. And then I got home, and two months later, there it was on cable. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody I had ever known called me or wrote to me on the email and said, boy, what a butthole. I, uh, <laughs> I so, don't want to watch this now. Yeah, yeah. No, please don't. Yeah, we got we to order this off of Amazon right now. I also see you've worked uh, with, with Oliver Stone twice. How was that? Yeah, five times, actually. Wow. Um, Oliver Oliver's uh, a visionary filmmaker. Um, he and I uh, are obviously political opposites. Right. Uh, on sets, they usually call uh, me John Wayne and him Ho Chi Minh. You can <laughs> you can figure that out. Yeah. But, uh, look, he's 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 a he's a guy whose heart is in his place. It's not in my place, uh, and I get that. But I like to I like to work with him uh, simply because he's such a terrific filmmaker. I mean, he knows the camera. He knows where the emotional beats are. He knows how to go after that stuff. Sometimes I think it's not the right stuff. But he gets it done. Um, we haven't we haven't 
done much with each other in the last couple four or five years well but he's, he's well, you know he's you know what he's around. doing now right like he's, he's yeah been he's on this, over with putin yeah, yeah he's been doing these crusades he interviewed uh hugo chavez and then this uh this this documentary this four-hour documentary with vladimir putin is coming out wow um, yeah so his and then I'm going to do one. It's called "Kill a Commie for Mommy." Yeah. <laughs> we actually have a poster of that. Says, yeah, yeah, great. Yeah. You know, it says "Drink Coffee, Kill Commies." Yeah, yeah. That's hilarious. What was your favorite Oliver Stone movie to work with? Was it? Uh, it had to be Platoon. Ah, uh, yeah. had to be Platoon. I mean, look. Here's the thing about Platoon. At that point, we had five million dollars all in. Wow. That's it. That was your whole budget. Uh, yeah, but yeah, that was, was a whole th- thing. What year was that? 79? No, 85. So that's equivalent yeah. to what? A $25 million film. This but, the, but the key is, yeah, that's right. It, yeah. it is. But the key was that Oliver was the only guy in Hollywood that understood what I thought was wrong with war movies. Um, and I'll take a minute to tell you that if it's all right. Yes. Please. Absolutely. Yeah. Look. There'd been technical advisors, so-called, and I'm making air quotes here. There'd been there'd been technical advisors for you know as long as there's been movies. Um, and what I discovered when I came to Hollywood and started to research it was, frankly, these are you know some guy who was the director's uh, brother-in-law who'd been six months in the California National Guard, and they put him in a chair and sat him there for 500 bucks a week, and only woke him up when they wanted to know which side the ribbons went on. I mean, it was so shallow, they, they didn't get how we relate to each other in combat and extremists, mm-hmm. what, what our love means as opposed to what romantic love means. And, and, and I said, that's what's missing. No wonder actors can't portray who we are. They don't understand how we think, how we feel, what, what's in our guts and what's in our hearts and what's in our minds. So I went to Hollywood trying to sell that. And, of course, they said, hey, bravo, Sierra elbow you out of here yeah. we don't need you we've been making movies for years and oliver was the only guy that really understood what i was trying to say what i was trying to do and the reason was because he was a combat infantryman he got right. it and so he gave me 33 actors in three weeks and at that point uh, they weren't anybody there was Beringer and charlie sheen and um, um johnny depp and uh, forrest whitaker those names didn't mean anything in those days sure um and he let me take him into the mountains of the Philippines, Philippine jungle, for three weeks. And they lived like we lived. No foam rubber in the packs. The rucks were 65 pounds. Wow. And they dug their own holes, and they lived in them, even if they dug one right at the base of an anthill, which Charlie Sheen did. They lived in those holes. And me and my guys pulled switchblade on them at night, and they got maybe two hours of sleep. And we roll them out at 2 in the morning and run goats, mountain goats, through the position, the night defensive positions, and watch them burn up 250 rounds of M60 ammo. So we gave them the real experience. And three weeks later, when I brought him down out of the mountain, he looked at him and he said, yeah, that's you and me when we were 19. Right. And that just showed through their eyes and through their performance. Hmm. And when we got that home that little $5 million film, and that's all we had, not a dime more. So none of that range 15 running over budget crap all <laughs> Right, right, right. We had, <laughs> we had five mil, that's it, pal. And, and so when we won, you know, four Academy Awards, including Best Picture and Best Director, you know, Stone was 
gracious enough to credit me with a great deal of the verisimilitude in, in the picture. And from that point on, my point was made. Nothing succeeds like success in Hollywood. So it just, everybody wanted to have me do their war film for them. Right. And, and it grew up into, you know, the rest. And l- let me ask That's you, out, so of that, cool. out of that group you had, who was the best and who was the worst as, as, as far as terms of a soldier? Berenger was terrific. He'd have made a good, solid corporal squad leader. Wow. Good guy. And he could live hard. He knew what that was about. Uh, Sheen wasn't bad. He didn't whine and bitch. He was a little bit of a pogey bait uh, dude. <laughs> he was always trying, to, always trying to smuggle candy and shit. <laughs> can I say shit? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You fuck. can say are whatever you, are you are want. Are you kidding me, nope. Dale? Yeah, I've, I've said fuck about it eight times already. Okay. <laughs> Um, so he was, he was pretty good. Uh, Willem Dafoe, interestingly enough, was good. Uh, little Johnny Depp at the time, uh, was pretty fair. And, uh, and we surrounded him with, with guys who weren't big name actors, but, but really wanted to do this and really wanted to understand it. And every night, um, they would train all day and there was only one down period. And that's what we call stand down. And we do stand down for an hour, and it's right around evening chow time. They only ate twice a day. And then it was all rations. Uh, So uh, at stand down, they could ask any question they wanted to ask. They could ask actor stuff. You know, how does this feel? What's that like? And that's where I really went to work on their minds and on their emotions. And I, I told them about stuff like survivor guilt. And I told them, you know, it could have been me and maybe should have been me and that sort of thing. And that stuff just rocketed home to those kids. You could see their eyes open up. And they began to say, you know, well, how would I apply that to my character? And suddenly the world lit up. Suddenly they weren't just going to repeat the last bad war movie they'd seen. Right. They began to try to understand who we were and what we were. And throughout the, the shooting of that, they would, the questions were just amazing that they would come up with. And it was detailed little stuff that you and I don't, don't think about it because it's second nature to us. Right. Yeah. Okay. And and they would ask these questions and and I would take the time to answer them to their satisfaction. The big thing for me was it it started to bring me back from my own combat experiences because I spent a lot of time at war, too much time, and uh, and for a long time I couldn't talk about some of it or I didn't want to and and so I would resist it, but. These kids drew it out of me, and I knew that if I was going to do the right thing, if I was going to teach them who we really are and what we're really about, I had to get into my own gut right, and into my own heart and tell them some stuff I wasn't really comfortable with. But if I did it, they'd get it. And so it kind of drugged me along uh, a path to getting back into was human that, Was that a pretty interesting experience for yourself? Yeah, it was. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I don't, I don't have to tell you guys uh, this sort of thing, but when you, when you get into some badass stuff, when you get into some tight stuff, and, and I did, um, you, you, you compartmentalize it. You put it away somewhere. Right. And you rarely touch it. Um, yeah, you can joke about it, and we all do, and that's what keeps us sane and so on and so forth. I get that. But that really gut stuff, that stuff that brings tears to your eyes, that stuff about seeing somebody die in your arms and, and, or seeing somebody so chewed up you can't do anything for him. And those are the things we compartmentalize. Those are the things we, we put back here. And, and we don't, 
only occasionally when there's a lot of uh, oh lead slinger whiskey around or uh, <laughs> or and and it's another guy who's seen the elephant and heard the owl with you then you then you can talk about that stuff but even then you you get over it real quickly and you try to make a joke out of it and and I think all of us who've been there do that uh, and and when I began to to have to explain it to young actors, something like that is so far out of their wheelhouse, you know, so far out of the average civilian's experience, that you really have to get in depth in order to have any chance of them understanding it. And so you find yourself talking about crap you just wouldn't normally. And I found that that kind of, you know, brought me back along a, a little path. So that I didn't hate every civilian you know, and have a plan is, to kill them so immediately. You're more, right. though, like, so crazy. When, you, yeah. when people think about uh, tech advisors, I think they immediately think it's just, you know, making sure the uniforms are right and stuff like that. Not this. Like, <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. No, I don't want to play that. You know, I well, don't want to play that. <clears throat> well, but that, but, but the, technic- the technicalities of war are, are somewhat... Uh, I, they're not they're not necessarily significant they are but they're a lot of them are battle drills which are ultimately an, uh, your unconsciously competent reaction mode. muscle memory so, yeah. so much more of war is quite literally emotion it's it's fear it's elation it's fucking tragedy it's it's so much more emotion to so the technical proficiency or the fucking uniform whether it's right yes you have to match the 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 dirt and the grime but the technical proficiency with the weapon is just part of it. So if you're trying to capture that, you know, that's that's exactly right. There's no fucking emotion prior to platoon, really. Look, right? I'm I'm sitting here with a with a bunch of combat veterans. Now mm-hmm. you tell me if I'm lying, I'm dying. The one thing about combat that's the common denominator that we all know is that in it you will see the full gamut of human emotion. Yeah. You'll see the absolutely the worst thing human beings can do and you'll see some of the most heroic best things that human beings can do and everything in the middle yeah 100 percent. yeah and and that's just the nature of it when we get in extremists like that mm-hmm. but but telling civilians that is pissing up a picket rope i mean they they have <laughs> sorry is that was that a bad thing to say no, sorry. That's great. Great. It's it's fucking great. awesome pissing i mean up a picket rope <laughs> oh, this is great so you they don't get it now you can say all right piss on you i don't care whether you get it or not because you're the great unwashed unfathomable untouchable human being you can and i did that for about 10 years didn't want anything to do with civilians wouldn't marry one You'd have to pay me to screw one. The point is <laughs> that, <laughs> that that's why why I married a woman marine. But the point is <laughs> the the point I'm making is that you if you're gonna if you're gonna do that if you care about the nation understanding who we are as the nation's professional warriors if we if I care about that and I do that's my agenda is just to shine a little long overdue light. Nice yawn, turd. 
<laughs> just it. There's the Jared. captain. Fucking Jared. He's getting me. JT over here with big, big yawn. Sorry if I'm boring you. No, I'm <laughs> captivated right now. Yeah. Nice yawn, turd. Uh, boy, that's, awesome. that's gonna that's gonna stick with Jared a lot. You've no idea how much I'm gonna say that. Yeah. Song. It just like went to his fucking soul. Right? Yeah. <laughs> The, now, how do you get back? Anyway, the, if if I'm going to accomplish what I want to in my agenda, um, if if I'm going to shine that long overdue light on us folks who wear the uniform and who do so voluntarily, um, then I've got to go there. I've got to I've got to get into those people's minds. I've got to appeal to them. I've got to I've got to find a way to to explain to them something that is inexplicable right. if you haven't been there and done that. And that's the challenge. That's that's what I've been trying to do for the past 25 years or so. Sometimes I've done it fairly well, and sometimes I've fallen through my ass. But the point is, I still try. And that's what we're trying to do with this new film. How's that for a segue? Wow. That's a great segue. That, that, yeah. that, that is seamless. Segway salad. Tell us about the new segway. film, Dale. What, what, what do you what, what we, got oh. <laughs> Yeah. Boom. What? The new film? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Ross, you uh, for bringing that up. You're, act, you're acting like you've done this once or twice before. <laughs> know. You know? It's fantastic. Dude. I might have. Um, yeah. The new film is a film, and I'm, I'm here with one of the co-producers, two of the co-producers, Tom Costa and, and Scott Levy, both veterans. Um, we're, we're, it's a film called No Better Place to Die. It's a uh, D-Day movie that we hope will do for the 82nd Airborne Division what uh, um, uh, Band of Brothers did for the 101st. Uh, the first 18 or 20 minutes of the film are all about the airborne assault, so we're hoping that it will do for the airborne phase of D-Day what Saving Private Ryan did for the ground assault uh, or the surface beach assaults. Is it a live uh, action movie or is it a documentary? No, uh, I'll leave the documentaries to somebody else. This is this is scripted material that I wrote. Oh, great! But it's but it's from a but it's from an actual incident at Lafayette, which is one of the two vital bridges over the Murderette River mm -hmm. that that the Airborne had to hold. Had they not held that bridge and the causeway that ran off of it. The Germans would have blown right through and hit Utah Beach and hit Omaha and pushed the, the whole thing back into the sea. As Tom Costa likes to say, um, it was pivotal to D-Day. It, it may have saved D-Day. Mm. And I think, I think there's some validity to that. Um, it, it is a great story, and, and it's a story of paratroopers who were misdropped all over the Cotentin Peninsula, and just came together, cobbled themselves together, and said, we got a mission, um, who's got a rifle, who's got a grenade, and went and did it. And they held it against German assaults, just constant artillery barrages and that sort of thing. So we decided to do this story. I had been studying this story from the time I was in uniform because it's a, it's a microcosmic example of the American soldier spirit. You know, I, well, the big plan went in the crapper, so we know the commander's intent. Let's go do that shit. Do it. You know, yeah. And, and off awesome. they went. And, fucking awesome. And that's the kind of spirit we want to show. Now, I had tried to sell this for a long time in Hollywood to the standard, you know, studio methodology and so on and so forth. Uh, not without, with uh, not much luck for a couple of reasons. One of which is I insist on directing it because I know how to do this. Um, and I know how to make it a great, a blockbuster. 
So uh, we, we didn't have much luck, and, and um, I fired the initial couple of producers, uh, Tom Costa, who's a military academy guy and a, and a former um, 82nd Airborne Panther guy. Panther himself. Yep. Yeah, two Panther. Um, jumped up and said, uh, look, I want to I produce this. Uh, let, me, let me help you out. And we reached out to uh, Scott Levy and a couple of other veterans, and, and they all said, veterans in showbiz. Uh, which, by the way, is almost a misnomer. But um, we we decided, all right, look, we're going to do this in a non-traditional fashion. Piss on Hollywood, piss on the normal method. We're going to just try to get this done. And while we're at it, we're going to do it as a military movie by veterans, for veterans, and made by veterans. Hmm. So the commitment is to hire as many guys in front of the camera and behind the camera as we can, who are actual veterans. What I'm hoping as an, sort of an ancillary benefit to this um, is that it will showcase the talent that's out there, mm-hmm. that, that the young, talented men and women who write me hundreds of emails every week saying, how do I get into showbiz? I want to be an actor. I want to be a cinematographer. It's a tough road to hoe. It's a bitch kitty because it's a closed shop. And, and they resist it. And Scott knows that. He's written several things that talk about, you know, Hollywood doesn't support our troops. Mm. So what we've said is, look, send us your money, whatever you can afford. Nickels and dimes are good. But we're going we're gonna to raise enough money to get rolling. We're going to raise enough money in this groundswell of public support to convince the deep pockets that we're onto something hot here. And the deep pockets will come in for the money that we need, and we'll get it done. Mm-hmm. So that's the plan. I am now stepping down off the soapbox. No, no, no. No, I, that's no, freaking I, amazing. Can, continue. Have you shot anything yet, and where can folks uh, go and help you yeah, out? Yeah, please. <laughs> uh, mostly I've shot a lot of forty-five ACP downrange just to, <laughs> just to sort of uh, calm my nerves. Um, we we have shot some things, uh, but we have we've not shot anything that we're ready to show anybody. Okay. Um, is it on we, Indiegogo? It's on Indiegogo. Thank you. How, how do how do people find that? You just take your right Dick Skinner. Okay, Dick Skinner. <laughs> and you whack that clicker thing, and you come up to Indiegogo. No better place to die. You'll see it there. Okay. And, uh, we also and have a Facebook page, a YouTube page, no Twitter, better Instagram. Place to so no die. better place to die. No better place to die. Okay. On Twitter, it's uh, NBPTD Film. Also, too, on Indiegogo, I was able just to search your name and it came up. So. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So, so that's what we're doing. And, and the, the plan is, um, once we raise the money to cover all the administrative costs and the legal costs and yada, 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 um, all the stuff you got to do, um, what we're going to do is, is take that money which we and and the buzz and the enthusiasm which we're getting and that's a groundswell that's that's something that we're seeing um i was discussing it with jt at lunch today i mean look america out there in so-called flyover country more air quotes they're they want their voice heard and they want people to pay attention to them if the recent election doesn't tell you that i don't know what the hell does so we want to capitalize on that groundswell we want to be the black rifle of movie making. I mean, we want to say, look, we're making this film for you. We're making this because you want it and because you need it and because it's the right thing to do. 
And the amazing thing is we're seeing enormous um, response and support with this. I mean, people are saying, look, I can't send you any money. I'm broke. But I love this, and I'll, I'll dig ditches. I'll do anything you want me to do. I just want to be involved. I in will this. act in the movie, Dale. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, that's probably a good time to, to oh, yeah. say that what you guys did was amazingly inspiring with Range 15. I mean, looking, looking at that, you know, I didn't know you guys at all. Um, you know, before meeting at the at the premiere and everything, and having wanted to have been a part of it after I saw it, going, oh, I wish it was it was so inspiring seeing what you guys did with Indiegogo, what you guys did with social media, with networking the vet community and, and putting that all together, and you know, putting vets to work, and what you guys do here, putting vets to work, is even more inspiring. Yeah. It's, a, it's the same kind of thing, and and Tom Costa just reminded me that I should mention here, and I will. Um, that our plan is, uh, if we can turn some profit out of this thing, um, we're going to give a percentage of it back to veterans' causes. Absolutely, so. awesome. That's great. Yeah. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm looking at the site right now. You've uh, so far, you've you've a month left, uh, and you've already raised almost twenty four thousand uh, dollars, and your goal is two hundred thousand. You've got two hundred thirty seven backers. Go to No Better Place to Die on Indiegogo and donate to the campaign. Um, that's a good number, though, to start off with. That, that's a great number so far. You know, we got the community got our comedy last year with Range Fifteen. We need, we need another World War Two <laughs> yeah. one, especially one yeah. that follows the paratrooper story. Yeah, yeah. and I'll Which, even I'll even throw in a zombie somewhere. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Because to be honest with you, uh, Saving Private Ryan and Band of Brothers, I mean, movie and, and and whatever you want to call it, a series. But those are my two favorite things to watch because they're so. You know, fairly historically accurate, and then just the emotion, com- emotional component through the guys serving together, and all that that ups and downs that you go through is, is you, you literally almost that? the only war films that I, oh, you, I watch. And we got to get into it here because I don't want to hog it to just me and Evan. Yeah, like, you got to tell them the story you're telling us about Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And we got to start from the beginning. Yes, so, yes. Right. so the, so the awesome. question okay. I was asking, I was asking, I was like, hey, was, was this the first movie that was shot? with this you know realistic you know the camera perspective because i had gone to the movie with a guy that was a vietnam vet he was a former uh, mac b saw guy he's like that's it that is the closest movie is uh, movies have ever come to actual combat and uh so when we walked out that that statement has always stuck with me you know and of course you know going down range i'm like yeah that was about the first one that really emphasized the the POV perspective, yeah, the as well, violence right? of it. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. that that was uh, always Steven Spielberg's um, intent. Um, he he wanted to do what we what we all know as combat veterans is the rifleman's perspective, which is assholes and elbows. I mean, that's essentially what you see when once the first one comes snapping by your ear, you're down, you know, and then you're looking what to do. And so Stephen wanted to do it from that perspective, and he had he had a lot of tricks in mind. He used 90-degree shutter angle, for instance, which gives you that choppy look, and right. you can see the, the dirt and clods and shrapnel flying in explosions. We had a bunch of little, really great beer barrel, low center of gravity um, cinematographer guys who were doing handheld, and they'd run right mm-hmm. through those those explosions. And, uh, and so, you know, I kind of got my Eisenhower fix because— it was my job to get everything happening on that beach, mm. and uh, and we had we had about a thousand. Uh, we shot on at at Kirklow Beach, which is in uh, southeast Ireland, uh, County Wexford, and uh, we had the beach prepped for weeks. You know, with the with the uh, Belgian gates and uh, uh, the landing craft obstacles, and 
we had about a thousand um, Irish. I guess you'd, they were, they would equate to kind of National Guard uh, troops, reservists. Mm-hmm. And we brought them in, and I put a couple of my NCOs on them. And like all good NCOs, they just trained the shit out of them and taught them to do combat reloads with M1s and and uh, Thompson submachine guns and BARs and so on and so forth uh, because we knew that it was never going to stop. So we had 1,000 men on the beach, 14 armored vehicles, and, and seven boats out at, out at sea, and I had to control them all on one radio. Oh, shit. <laughs> and, yeah, if any of you who have ever done that sort of thing. And, and so uh, we got ready. I think Stephen had about five cameras ready to roll. And he looked at me and said, okay, we, we ready to go. And I said, well, just one thing, boss. I said, when, when we roll this puppy, don't bother to run around, wave your arms, and say cut because it's going to go. I mean, there is yeah. just you cannot stop this. It's like that, you know, when you, when you go over the last 30 meters, yeah, and it, it, no, nothing's <laughs> going to stop it. There it goes. You right. know? And, and, and he knew that, and he said, well, okay, I, do, I guess, we, I, and off we went, you know. And, and uh, it, was, it was magnificent. I mean, just sta- I was standing up on the bluff trying to control everything, and, and my two, three NCOs down on the beach had earbuds in. And covered so they could hear me. And their primary job was to see that the tanks didn't run over anybody. You know, a, the tank driver's blind once all this crap yeah. starts flying. And so I just had them near the tanks so they could throw anybody out that got <laughs> <laughs> tended to get run over by the tank. But it was it was just absolute uh, magic once I saw it all go. And and when it was finally over with, you know, when when we had just reached the objective essentially. I mean, Stephen looked at me and went, shrugged his shoulders, and I went, two thumbs up. You know, I mean, I knew we had it. It was just, it was just an amazing moment uh, when you know you've captured lightning in a bottle like that. Right. That's uh, amazing. And, and he was so brilliant, Stephen was, to this, the business of uh, when, when Tom Hanks' character uh, goes underwater yeah. and all sound stops. Yeah. Well, you know that's exactly what happens. Yeah. And then as he comes back up, boom, the sound starts yeah. again. That was disorienting. And that was Stephen's idea. That's, that's the kind of brilliant filmmaker he is. So we, we got that 18 minutes on film, and it was just absolute magic. And, and we saw it in dailies, and I said, whoa, you know, I mean, this is going to be dynamite. And when we got the film made, everybody appreciated it. Uh, we got beat at the Oscars by Shakespeare in Love, which almost made me piss oh, myself. God. Oh, my God. God. But there you go. Uh, thank you, Hollywood. The worst. And, uh, yeah. and, and the amazing thing about it was we got this done, and the, the veteran community and, and everybody else just went nuts over it. They just loved that movie for a lot of reasons. Uh, but the... But the main one was that, that landing sequence. Yeah, yeah so I mean, when was the first time you got to see the cut? Did you see it prior to? Yeah, I, so I, you saw, saw, it, yeah, I saw it in an assemble edit. Oh, uh, okay. But the only thing anybody bitched about was the captain's insignia on Tom Hanks' helmet. Really? And, you know, I had, yeah, and I had done all sorts of research, and it, it, in World War II, it depended on your regimental commander. Some, some people wanted the officers to be identified immediately. And then some didn't for and snipers. And some didn't for sniper purposes. Yeah. So I thought we were absolutely fine. And then the attack 
of the stitch Nazis. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like an old school uh, internet troll. I love it. These are those Stitch guys Nazis. out there, yeah, yeah, with the with the remote control in hand, and they yeah. stop it about every ten seconds. Oh wow! And then they write me directly oh, and say, <laughs> you know, fun. the the color of the thread used in stitching the insignia on the left arm of like Soldier Three was incorrect. It was brown and not green. Yeah. And, and, you know, you just, just reach in your pocket nicer yeah. and go fuck yourself. Yeah. Me because <laughs> yeah. Go make your own movie and right. then tell me you did it right. But, you know, in the end, I've got to be accessible to those people of because course. because they're fans and they they pay their money and, and so on and so forth. It just can of all the great stuff you do. If somebody's going to pick you pick on you about the color of the buttons. Well, I guess you pooped yourself. <laughs> I guess you did it right. If the only thing they have to complain about is the color of the thread. I often you thought. Did, yeah. You did it right. Yeah. You did it right. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. Like that's the only thing they found. What, be, what was uh, it like working with Tom Cruise epic. on Born on the Fourth of July? You know what? He, he gets a bad rap. Let me tell you, that guy has heart. He was amazing. He, he would have made a good trooper. Not necessarily a good officer, not necessarily a good sergeant, but a good trooper. Um, he's got heart. I remember we were training him for uh, Born on the Fourth of July, and I had him and and uh, uh, a couple of the a couple of other actors you'd know, and I can't remember right now. I had them all in the field, and uh, I said, "Typical Captain Die stuff." I said, "You're going to be out here with me for a week." You're going to dig your hole. Here's an entrenching tool. Dig it. And I'd mark the spot and, you know, make a perimeter and they'd dig the hole. Cruz, I finally went up and looked what he was doing. He had the hole about waist deep, looked pretty good. Uh, But his hands were bleeding. I mean, just that E-tool tore his ass up. And I finally had to say, wait a minute, and wrapped his hands, you know. But he would not quit. He was going to get that hole dug. And then we had... I, one of my training missions, right toward the end of the uh, the training schedule, when I when I sort of try to move the actors up into if they're going to be officers or they're going to be NCOs, I try to move them up into that billet so they can start making decisions based on what I've taught them. And, and I moved uh, Tom up into the uh, squad leader position, and we were going to do us. You guys all done this a hundred times. You're going to do attack on a fortified position, so base of fire maneuver element. And squad leader picks the direction of maneuver. You know, it's going to be hook right, hook left, uh, or double envelopment if, he can, if he's got enough people to do that sort of thing. And, and so we get ready to do this. And he had to cross a little blue line, which is our line of departure, and then go over into the assault. If, I, if I'm too far in the weeds, let me know. Nope. Look, good but, to go. But um, he, the first time they do it, he fell right through his ass. I mean, those guys were out there looking like, you know, a monkey fornicating a football. I mean, this was, <laughs> said, no, stop, get back, do it again. And they went through it about three times. Maneuver element just could not take advantage of the cover and concealment that was out there. You know, and I said, look, hook the other way, get into some damn trees, you know, to stop yourself from being seen because they immediately turned the weapon on you. So finally, uh, it was about the fourth time, and I decided, look, you're not going to get it today. We're going to go back to the chalkboard, back to the sand table. I'll explain it to you once again. If you can't see it at this point, I'll like, and Cruz said, I, I know what's wrong, sir. I know what's wrong, sir. I know what we're doing wrong. Please, 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 let me do it one more time. And these guys were dragging ass. 
I mean, they were exhausted. And I said, you know, look, you'll, you'll be better at it tomorrow. She said, no, 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 sir, please, please let me do it. And bigger than hell, they did it the fifth time and got it perfect. That's awesome. But he would not let them quit. <laughs> I mean, they wanted to quit, yeah, like, but he was, he was the squad leader at the time. Shower. Yeah, right. Well, we don't have hot showers. I don't play that. <laughs> that's, for, that's for your fofo guys. The I want a shower, please. <laughs> and, and give me a jelly donut. <laughs> and then I'll ship over. Then I'll re-enlist. <laughs> okay. That's, uh, sorry, I was just, uh, I don't know where the hell I was. Uh, fine. Oh, it's great. fine. Look, we, we, we love the randomness here on Drinking Bros. I, I, I'm going con- to continue because there's you've had such an illustrious career. I want to get this all down, all the questions out today. Uh, okay. You worked right. on JFK. I did. Uh, d- Evan. Evan believes that uh, JFK was assassinated. Um, I, I already had this conversation with him by our own I government. Had the conversation, I, I, but let's have not it on, by our own government. Let's not have by it on our air. own government. I'm saying I'm I'm saying that it's a definitive possibility that when you piss off half the clandestine service that has copious amounts of fucking money, along with a ton of experience of replacing government heads, you might be thinking about getting your head blown off. <laughs> that might be a thing. You might go, hey. Maybe I shouldn't be driving around in a convertible. That's I'm just telling you. What, what, I don't know if your, that's a smart move, dude. What, what's Dale Dye, what is your theory on JFK? If if I had to point fingers and not being a conspiracy theorist like Evan, if I had to if I had to point fingers, I'd probably point him at the old 2506 brigade and the mustache Pete's who yeah. got trapped on the beach at the Bay of Pigs. Uh, those guys were pissed off. Uh, I mean, Still, the, the CIA, the Still CIA, and the United off. States government whipped those guys like a tied-up goat. Yeah. I mean, the the point is that, and and they can be pretty vicious. Oh, those yeah. old Cubanos, okay. and you know, they uh, they do more than make cigars and rum. <laughs> uh, <laughs> although, although I applaud all of that. Yeah, I'm all about the cigar yeah. and rum. <laughs> but that's where I'd look. Yeah. I'd look at the mustache Pete's. Okay. Is yeah. this because of inside knowledge or just a guess? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's because of that it's because of that good old speculation. You know? Sure. Sure. I'm comfortable with that sort of thing. I'm old. Yeah. All right. Well, what, ne- next question. What what was your what was your feeling when you first saw the movie Natural Born Killers that you were in? I, I absolutely loved working on that film because it gave me a chance to cry on camera, which is, I really had to go for some baggage to get that done, but I managed to get some tears down. Um, First take or second sto- take? Yeah, how many takes? Yes, uh, no, it, was, it yeah. was number one. I can't do it more than once. Uh, I've just got too many balls for that, but... <laughs> <laughs> He's got like 31 damn balls. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 31 balls to be exact. You want to you hear, you hear a, um, a story from uh, Natural Born Killers? Yes, of Absolutely. course. Of course. We're, we're filming this sequence in Winslow, Arizona, and it's a night sequence, and it's supposed to be a drug dream, peyote dream. Yep. And Woody, Woody Harrelson is carrying Juliette Lewis uh, in their dream. She's been injured, and he has to take her somewhere. And uh, we're shooting nights near the Grand Canyon, right outside of Winslow, Arizona. Uh, and Oliver wants rattlesnakes. They walk 
through a nest of rattlesnakes, Woody does while he's carrying Juliet Lewis. Uh, so we ordered 250 rattlesnakes. Holy what could go wrong? From yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's what's going to go wrong with that? And, and they ship them to us in big, flat, wooden boxes. Now, I don't know if you've ever sp- smelled 250 snake shit things in a wooden box. Can't say I have. I no. mean, it's I was out there going, gas, 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 <laughs> yeah. you know, and... Um, but at any rate, there we have them, and we and we put these rattlesnakes all around on the sand. Well, it's at night in the desert, which is cold, and the snakes promptly went to sleep. I mean, they're they're cold blooded, and they <laughs> right, just coiled right. up and said, "I'm not having any part of this shit." Right. And and so we're trying to. Dawn is coming, and we got to get this shot. And the snakes are not cooperating. You know, Oliver wants them to get up and rattle and strike and make it look horrible and. Snakes are having no part of this. No. So Oliver turns to his uh, his uh, coordinator of violence and mayhem, Dale Dye, and he said, "Do something about the snakes." And I said, "Oliver, they're cold-blooded animals. You know, they they are asleep." And he said, "Well, well, we we, we got it." So I went and got one of these snake sticks. You ever seen it? it looks like a shepherd's crook. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So it, it was a steady cam shot. It was a low mode steady cam, and he's the cameraman is backing up, and Woody and Juliet Lewis are in front of him, and he's backing up with him. So I'm behind the steady cam guy with my hand on his belt and this snake stick, and every time we pass a snake, I whack him right on the head, and he gets up. So I had to be the snake pisser offer. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not qualified for this job, but I'm going to do it anyway. You, you talk about an MOS. Yeah, right? Snake, snake pisser wrang- offer. Yeah. Yeah, snake right. wrangler yeah. or pisser offer. I, I just like the fact that you can order up 250 rattles, yeah. Yeah. which yeah. gives me a totally different. That's a yes. great practical joke. From yes. Texas. Hello, friends. Yeah. Hello, friends. Wait, hey, here's a little package from Pottery Barn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got a little rattlesnake. <laughs> Yeah, open that up and see what happened. <laughs> Did the package come with like a, a certified snake wrangler? Yeah, like, yeah, okay, yeah, I was gonna say, yeah. how, the, how the fuck just, you get them all back in there? Yeah, Damn. we didn't. The only other time we that many snakes were ordered was for the uh, last Indiana Jones <laughs> or Indiana Jones three. Right. We ordered right. 250 snakes. We got about 40 of them back in the box. So, I mean, the rest of them are who knows. <laughs> <laughs> They've all had little baby snakes out there in the yeah, Sonora you, somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, man, there's been an influx of snakes around this area. I don't know what you're talking we, about. We accidentally let why. 200 of those go. Yeah. <laughs> well, it has to do with the formula and lead slinger. Uh, with Viper's that's right. Viper's <laughs> Viper's so, so we did we did talk about, like, we've talked a ton about your movie, your, your movie background. But I want to go back before that okay. i mean kind of go back before before you know uh so you're a marine and you enlisted in the marine corps what year did you enlist in the marine corps? uh january the 3rd of 1964 wow okay and so did you go to vietnam like literally right after right after it started no i i became a uh, an 81 mortar guy mm-hmm. um and uh, went overseas okinawa and and uh, then we we went down and and uh, landed and and did a little stuff very early on, but I was only there for a little while because right. I had already had some time overseas. My tour was up from my time on Okinawa. Right. Uh, then I came back um, to the States and uh, changed my MOS, and then I uh, went back to Vietnam, 67, and stayed 67, 68, 69, and 70. Wow. Holy Except crap. for medevacs. And, and what was right. your MOS? Uh, I was combat correspondent. Okay. okay. Wow. 
So you were there for, like, solid, so you'd go home no, on R&R? No, well, I had, yeah, there's some of that, right. and, and sometimes I'd get hit, um, got the enemy marksmanship badge, right. and, uh, <laughs> and, but, but in general. Do you have more with, than one Purple Heart? I have three, yeah. Oh, oh fuck. <laughs> wow. With, uh, His rides back from medevacs, that's what he was saying. Yeah, no, I, I was there the whole time, because except for those medevacs. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, um, it, uh. The interesting thing was um, I was able to kind of run to the sound of the guns, which is what I felt obligated to do. Right. Um, and in particular, during Tet 68, that got very weird. Um, I was in Hue, right. um, which is uh, we, we were learning. You guys know all about Mount now, you know, right. yeah. military operations and urban terrain. And mm -hmm. back in those days, we called it fish. Fighting in someone's house. <laughs> Is that real? Yeah. yeah. No. Fish? No, I, was like, I made that shit up. That's fucking awesome. Fuck CQB, CQC, none of that. Training fish. 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 Fighting in somebody's, somebody's house. house. I'm yeah. taking that. I love that. Good. You can have it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we we had all been trained to fight in the jungle, you know, and and L-shaped ambush, and you know how to stay off trails and and look out for booby traps and mines and stuff like that then they dumped us right in the middle of this huge urban sprawl with a on one side of the river was a a, a kilometer square castle essentially and we were ordered to attack it but they wouldn't hit it with any sporting arms jesus uh, christ so it was climb, that doesn't sound <laughs> climb the walls and kill the bad guys you know? <laughs> so we we finally got over that because our our uh, regimental commander said I ain't wasting any more Marines. You blow some holes in those walls, and then we'll go up and fix it, you know, and, and we did. But, but uh, that, was, that was some of the, uh, the tough times um, because we were, we were learning as we were going, right. and, and we were you, – you saw people just inventing stuff. I mean, just inventing ways to get things done. That was I – think, I think that experience cemented in me the, the brilliance – of Joe shit the ragman, you know Rudy in the rear rank with a rusty rifle. I mean, don't underestimate this guy. He's he's got something in his sea bag, right? And he'll pull it out and come up with something brilliant. And I saw instance after instance after instance of that in way. Um, when guys were just, you know, we we had to pull a gate open, but we didn't have breaching charges or any of that rock and roll stuff that you guys got now. So one of the kids got two bricks tied a piece of rope onto the two bricks, ran out and threw the bricks over the gates, and then yanked the bastards open. I mean, it's brilliant. Nobody right. thinks of that, but he did. And, <laughs> and we were hot-wiring cars. I mean, we had young Lance Corporals and PFCs that flat knew how to hot-wire yeah, a no. car. You know? Right. Yeah. Hey, like Sarn, uh, I maybe hot-wired a car once. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I did. I mean, hey, Gunny, I'm not going to get in trouble. You're like, bastard. God damn it, we're in Vietnam. We're <laughs> no, not going to get in trouble. Get it done. Yeah. Sorry about that. Oh. So anyway, that was, yes, whoever that was, welcome aboard. <laughs> welcome <laughs> aboard. Yeah. Um, so um, we, we saw that kind of thing, and, and, and I just, I thought it was brilliant. I think, I think that's what cemented my career at that point. I knew out there, uh, despite the bad times, uh, we, had, we had people wearing this country's uniform who would, who would do anything. Oh, yeah, we piss and moan, but uh, who doesn't? Um, but they would, when the chips were down, when the crap got heavy, I mean, these are the guys that would walk up and find a way to do it. And I'm still seeing that. I'm still seeing it today. Um, 
troopers today are a bit more needy than they need to be. <laughs> um, and I think if I ever see another fob, I'll probably detonate it with a large charge <laughs> of C4. But at any rate, um, the, we learned how to do these things. And I saw the greatness of America's youth. I saw the and, and America's senior guys who were over there trying to run it. I saw the greatness of it. Um, yeah, I saw all the crapple, and I saw the bad side of it. But what stuck with me was how brilliant they were at getting a job done without anything really to do it with. Right. That and makes total sense. And you stayed in the Marine Corps, I mean, well past uh, 1970, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm what they call a Mustang. Mm-hmm. I did uh, 13 years as an enlisted man in NCO. And then um, when the Marine Corps decided Vietnam was over and we were going to clean up our act uh, and broom a lot of folks out who didn't need to be there in the first place, uh, they looked around for guys who, you know, had a fairly impressive rack and and uh, were the kind of leaders that they were looking for. And they told me I was going to OCS, um, which by that time I was a master sergeant. And I wow. said, what do I need this for? One more step and I'm a sergeant major and I'm in good shape, you know. And, and uh, I, had some, I had some really good officers talk to me and say, look, uh, we need you to lead. And we need you to lead from this position, not the one below it. And so uh, I didn't have a college degree at the time, and so uh, they sent me to officer candidate school. In the Marine Corps, you go to officer candidate school and the basic school regardless. And so I went through and and, uh, managed to uh, graduate from both of those things, and I was appointed a warrant officer. And then uh, later on in my career, I was able to, I finished my college degree, and uh, I'll tell you a story about that in a minute, And and then was able to convert my commission. So I never was a second lieutenant. I went directly from chief warrant officer to first lieutenant. Oh, wow. Yeah. Good. Never got the butter bar. That's no, good. No, no. That's good. Couldn't, couldn't have stood it. No. Uh, <laughs> with with all those good me. conduct medals. On <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the interesting, I was, I was stationed out on Okinawa, and I was going to the University of Maryland <clears throat> to try to get my degree. Um, Go Turpins. And what's that? Go Turpins. Go Terrap. Yeah. Terrap Terrapins. Yeah. That's it. Watch it. Yeah. I've got my eye on you. Um, <laughs> the fighting turtles. The fighting turtles. Yeah, the fighting turtles. Yeah, I'm impressed with that. But um, I needed to take my finals, and I was challenging a bunch of exams. You know, just not having taken the course, I was just going to try to pass the exam. And my, my proctor, my mentor at University of Maryland said, okay, you can do that, but you really need to study. You're going to need a week or 10 days where you're just doing nothing but cracking the books and studying and reading the text. And um, I said, okay, let me, let me see what I can do. So I asked to see my battalion commander, who was a, one of these old guys, you know. He had a cigar in his mouth, Salty. and he was sitting down there. He's a battalion commander. <laughs> what I do is I break shit and kill people, you know. And I'm, so I had to go down and see him, and I said, sir, uh, I, I need some basket leave. I, I, need, I need about 10 days off the books, and, and I need to really just sit down and study and then I can get my degree, and I can push my career on, and so on and so forth. And they said, "Hi, uh, maybe I'll think about this, uh, but uh, what's uh, what's your degree in? What are you studying?" And I said, uh, "Colonel, it's uh, my degree is in English literature." And he waited a minute, and you could see the blank look on his face, and he said, 
Damn, Ty, what are you going to do? Read them to death? <laughs> but he was, was going to get out there and read their ass to death. Good, Ty. Yeah, that'll like. That'll like. Yeah, they'll bleed all over the place. You start reading them, man. <laughs> so I, uh, so he, he gave me the time. And, uh, and I was then able to, uh, to uh, pass the exams, and uh, he granted my degree in English literature. That's awesome. Oh. What, so what year was that when you, when you got your degree? In, uh, uh, that would have been um, um, 78, wow. somewhere around there. So, so you still did, uh, what, six, seven years after that? Yeah, then, six, then yeah, my next combat assignment was Beirut, um, Lebanon, okay. um, 82, 83. I went there as a captain. So. Oh. When did you end up retiring out of? Uh, July of 84, 84. Uh, I retired and I uh, went to work for an outfit called Soldier of Fortune magazine. Yep. <clears throat> Maybe I did, um, but we were primarily in Central America, right. um, training and, and uh, uh, reporting a little bit, uh, but mainly training uh, counter-revolutionary forces mm-hmm. uh, in Honduras, El Salvador, uh, Costa Rica. Cool. Man, that's, you, you, you've lived a crazy <laughs> life. How long have you been I married? Know, it's fucking cool. Uh, which time? <laughs> <laughs> He's got an oak leaf cluster on that one. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> you talk about Purple Hearts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I've been married uh, almost 16 years now. 17, I guess. No, wait a minute. It's going to be, it's coming up on 20. Um, to the, the third. <laughs> that's, a, that's a big gap. Uh, yeah, off by four it's, years. It's, it's somewhere in that area. Um, <laughs> to to a great gal who's a PhD, and I have no idea what she's doing with me, but who cares? Um, and uh, and so uh, I think this one's going to take. <laughs> God, I hope so. Uh, I've got enough trouble trying to yeah, get a movie I can, made. I can't imagine you on Tinder these days. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, after I, I do have to, I do have to ask, sure. you know, who in the in the movie business, like, who do you absolutely love? Like, who's who's been the best boss director that you've you've had in the movie business? Probably Tom Hanks. Yeah. Um, but I have a, a dear spot in my heart, always will, for Steven Spielberg, who right. believed in me and, and gave me a shot to do it my way. Um, I, I will always have a soft spot in my heart for Oliver Stone, politics aside, because he gave me the shot right. to prove what I was doing would work. So I guess, I guess those three are really top of the mark. I, I like Bob Zemeckis, um, John Frankenheimer, Billy Friedkin, um, um, there's there's a bunch of them. So what what separates Tom from the or Tom Hanks or Mr. Hanks, however however you want to phrase it, but what separates him from from everyone? Is he just a he's he's you and me? Yeah, um, and hasn't let Hollywood get to him. Wow. Um, he's he's got a solid marriage. He's a solid guy from our our part of the world. Right. Um, and and he's he's kind of a nerd in in ways. Um, he likes to see how things work. He's got that kind of inquisitive mind. Um, you know, he's the kind of, if, when he was a kid, you'd give him a, an alarm clock and he'd take it apart. Right. You know, never figure out how to get it back together. Um, when we were doing um, Saving Private Ryan, he was armed with an M1 Thompson submachine gun. 
and I didn't. I, I wanted him to know how to load it. The Thompson's a little finicky loading. Yeah. You have to go straight in with straight the mag. In, yeah, you can't rock that it. Little, yeah, you yeah. can't rock it. And uh, um, and so I, I wanted to teach him that, and I did. And he got very good at it. He could he could con- speed load that puppy in a in a hot second, and it fires from an open bolt, so he didn't have to worry about that. But um, the the problem was I could see him looking at that Thompson. And I could see the little wheels turning behind his <laughs> eyes. And I said, oh, don't take it apart. Don't, you know, it's got an H block and it's hard. And, you know, and, but he was going to have no part of it. I'm going to take this apart. I want to know the guts of it. You know, so I had to sit there for an hour on a poncho. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck. In Get the, the directions. In the middle of piss and rain and give him, give him a block of military instruction on the M1 Thompson. You know, he took it all apart. But, but, he, but he learns. I mean, he, he doesn't just, it's not superficial with him. Right. Um, we did a land navigation uh, course, and I didn't really want to teach him land nav. This is in the days before GPS, guys. Right. You know, when you had a lensetic compass. Oh, you had yeah. a shoe, what were they called, azimuths? Yeah, that's what <laughs> they called. Okay, got it. Yeah, I thought you might get it. But, um, and, and, you know, I was doing intersection and resection, so you could find yep. yourself and... and and I just said, I'm going to teach. I'm going to tell you some terms to use briefly, so so you can use them when you're map reading in the film. But we don't have time to go into this. And then the wheels started turning behind his eyes again. He absolutely couldn't get it that this would work unless we showed him. And so, and and we were in this god awful forest, you know, where you had to just fight your way through it. And I had to be his point man. Hmm. and walk out on the azimuth, and he'd direct me right or left, so that I was precisely on the azimuth. And then he'd walk to me, and then we'd pick another point, and I'd walk up to it. And, and we did this for, like, hours. But the point was, when we finished, we came out within 10 meters exactly of where I told him we would be. And then he believed it. You know, so That's awesome. Sometimes you just have to do that. Did you get a machete, sense. at least, to pay No, pay I, had to, I had to crawl through that crap. Oh, fuck I was noise. eat up with ticks. I mean, they yeah. were... These, that's these stories are priceless. <laughs> at least I ran. At least I ran point for him. You know, right. he didn't get the ticks. I got him. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Well, hey, this uh, Dale. This has been easily like our our best show we've ever had. Uh, you were yeah. an unbelievably <laughs> fascinating uh, man to talk to. You you've lived an unbelievable life. Uh, please go to Indiegogo uh, for no better place to die, and uh, donate to the campaign. Um, this is also the point in the show, Dale, we get to the drink and bro of the week, which is somebody who's inspired you, uh, in your life. And, and we'll leave it to you this week, uh, to pick your, your, your point of inspiration. Is there anybody in your life, uh, military or otherwise, who's inspired you in some way that you'd like to dedicate the drink and bro of the week to? I've got a good buddy named Steve Burnson, um, who was with me in Hue, um, and had been my partner all the way up to it, uh, all the way up to the Tet Offensive. Um, on the 14th of February of 1968, um, he pulled a wounded Marine down off of the wall in, in the Citadel in Way, And uh, he was hauling him down to get him to a truck that we could use to evacuate him out of there. Um, and uh, they opened up with an RPG B-40, which is RPG-2, predecessor to the 7, uh, and it hit the concrete right next to him, um, detonated, almost took off one leg and one arm. Um, 
but he got that wounded man uh, aboard the truck. And uh, he's still alive today, thank God. Um, but every time I see him hobbling on that cane uh, with one arm that won't work at the elbow, um, and we just recently went back to Vietnam, he and I did, and visited the very spot in Hue. Oh, wow. And, and uh, I, I will always think of him as a perfect example of, A, the greatness in the American spirit, the dedication and motivation of the American military man, and a really, really great drinking bro. With one exception, he likes warm gin with a pubic hair floating in it. <laughs> God damn it. Oh, fucking amazing. Oh, God damn it. Oh, you, cheers. You were the best cheers for that one. Yeah. You were the best cheers. guest we've ever had, uh, yeah. Mr. Dale Dye. Thank you for being on the show. Uh, Mr. Levy, thank you for joining us as well. Uh, Thank you for having yeah. us on. We really appreciate it. And, and again, guys, uh, no better place to die. Check it out on Indiegogo. And if you can uh, support the film, please do, because this is really awesome. And obviously, from the interview, you can tell how much this all means to Dale and, and what their, where their heart and soul is. So check you it guys, out. You guys are absolutely terrific. And and the neat thing is it's, it's like sitting around with a glass of lead slinger and, uh, and, and talking to guys who get it. <laughs> who, who understand it i mean i'm sitting here looking in matt's eyes and you know i can see him saying yeah i get it i get it i get it and uh and jt and evan and and uh that's why you can talk about stuff like this because you guys get it so thanks for having me well, thank, thank you awesome. so much thank for sharing you. your stories absolutely amazing this, you're welcome back this, literally yeah, anytime this is anytime, gonna be the anytime. Golden, golden episode <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shit. Uh, this, is this, this has been incredible for uh for mr evan hafer uh, Matt Best, Jared Taylor, Ross Patterson, Mr. Levy, and the legendary Dale Dye. Uh, we're the Drinking Bros Podcast, and this is easily our best episode. Thank you for listening, everybody.